Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Okay, we're live. So I am here at the Total Archery Challenge with a good friend of mine, Matt Comment. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So uh, this is the second year I ran into you here at the Total Archery Challenge. And um, you're actually a Pennsylvania guy that uh, moved out of state a little bit, huh? Yeah, I'm originally from a small town called Export. It's about 20 miles east of Pittsburgh. Um, grew up there, went to Penn State. And then moved to Virginia right after school um, for work and kind of been in Virginia ever since. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so what, uh, what brought you up here for this weekend? Um, this weekend, just kind of catch up with friends. I mean, I haven't been able to shoot my bow in a couple years just because I got some shoulder injuries. But there's lots of people that I've met kind of in this, in this industry and yourself and guys that I've been friends with. And, you know, being on the East Coast, um, especially where I live, there's not a whole lot of guys that are interested in kind of mountain hunting. I came up this morning, just kind of do a hike. Mm -hmm. And normally I'm doing that by myself early on a Sunday morning. So it's, it's kind of nice to get around like-minded people and get a group of guys together and just have a good time. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that, that's the one thing that, that drew me to, to you. When I first heard you on Adam's podcast, beyond the kill, Adam Yonke. And, uh, and you talked about being from the Pittsburgh area and, and it actually mentioned the, the first article that I had wrote and you're like, Oh, I actually, you know, went to his bow shop before at Bucks and Bows. And yeah, it's and amazing how, how small this world really is. It's, it's so funny. And so I was really interested in listening to you and you've been on some absolutely amazing type of hunts and it's, it's all possible it re really to anyone if you, you plan correctly. And yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, independently wealthy. I work just like everybody else. Um, you know, as long as you make it a priority um, and it's a goal that you set out to do, it's definitely achievable. Yes. Yep. And what you said there is a priority and, and really being, uh, what do I want to say with it? Being persistent and doing the same thing consistent, I guess is the word I'm looking for with, with your approach with it. If you're trying to save money for it, or if you're trying to cut something out to save up for a hunt like that, make sure that you, you do that over time. It's not something that happens overnight, right? Yeah. I think you need to really look at yourself and say, you know, put the social media aside, put all the TV aside. Like, is it really something that you truly want to do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because everybody gets caught up in life and, you know, sees all this stuff and it, it looks cool and it looks like fun, but it may be something that you really don't want to do, but there's other people that are doing it and it does cost a lot of money. So, you know, search pretty hard and figure out if that's something that you want to do. And I recommend like starting small. You know, I wouldn't recommend to somebody, you know, just going on a, a $50,000 stone sheep hunt the first time, you know, if they're just a whitetail hunter. Start small, start with a black bear, start with going out, maybe hunting a mule deer or elk or something out west um, and kind of gradually get yourself into it because that'll give you a good idea because it's a huge investment. You know, people have families, they have kids to put through college, they have mortgages to pay. And it's something that it's truly not deep down inside that you want to do. It might not be worth it and that's okay. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a good thing you brought up because when I first started going out west, I had no idea what to expect. And to, to be completely honest, I mean, it's not fun all the time. 
it's not, you know, it's type two fun, you know, where it's, uh, it's fun to talk about afterwards. Sometimes it, it can be miserable in, in the situations, depending on how you, you look at it and, and go through it. But I'd like to hear a little bit more on, on that side of things with, okay, so, you know, you were talking about maybe look like slowly getting into it to see if you'd like it. What, what would you recommend? Like, you know, going on a backpack style hunt or, or truck camping or what, what what do you think would be a good feeler for that? Um, are you saying like, um, DIY type? Yes. Yep. Um, I wouldn't recommend if you live in a non mountainous state, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend like a hardcore backpack hunt as your first, um, opportunity into it. Just because it, there's a barrier to entry physically. I mean, it, it's it's very tough. Um, you know, you see a lot of people training for it. It's doable, absolutely. Um, I, I'm not a super athlete by any means. I mean, I'm six foot tall and 180 pounds. Like, there's nothing special there. Um, so maybe doing like a day hunt style where you'd go out and set up kind of a base camp and day hunt from there and maybe take some gear that you could spike out for one or two days. And because, you know, guys from the east coast we're we're used to dealing with navigation in trees and dealing with navigation when you're in a mountainous train is and you haven't grown up doing that is a totally different ball game and when you get out there it's so vast and it can be very very overwhelming at first um so looking at a kind of maps ahead of time and doing like a small core area and trying to learn that um and spend some time there and then kind of branching out from there um and that way you can kind of pinpoint and understand what you're doing. You won't get yourself lost. You won't get yourself in trouble. The trust close enough that, um, you know, if something did happen, you can get back to it in a day and just keeping yourself safe and it's going to make it more fun. And that way you're going to want to continue to do it. Okay. No, that, that's, a, that's some good advice there. And like you said, until you get out to the West, and I know when I went out there, it was the, f- the first time I've ever seen the Rocky mountains in person. It's one looking at uh, you know, a Google earth image or looking at the, topographic maps but once you get out there it can be overwhelming and you kind of want to you know set yourself up to see you know whether it's something you really want to do and also take the necessary safety precautions you know along those lines so yeah you want to come home to your your friends and loved ones that's for sure yes so that's awesome okay so say you do that and you decide man i love you know this style hunting i want to find more in it what where did you go from there and I, i guess how long ago did you start uh start mountain hunting i guess um my first trip to montana i was 24 years old okay right out of college uh myself and a buddy of mine that i went to penn state with did a lot of hunting you know here in pennsylvania and we just had it as i mean back then you know i don't want to like date myself here but i'm i'm pushing close to 40 very close um you know there was no social media there was the internet was kind of just happening i mean i had an email address but i never used it so the amount of information that you need to do it was very hard to get so we had no idea where to start all we knew was like what we read in like eastman's hunting journal and watch stuff on tv so we had no idea we didn't have any family that had done it or friends so um, a friend of my, this friend, same friend I'm talking about, he actually was in a taxidermist shop and there happened to be an outfitter from Montana in there. And guy said, yeah, I'm an outfitter in Montana and I have a couple of spots where you and your buddy like to come. So I'd save some money and he'd save some money and we went and, you know, 16 years later, you know, I've seen pretty much all of North America, uh, fortunately, 
So that's kind of how it, how it started for me is just taking a chance and going out and doing it. Okay. So and you said that your, your first hunt, you went with an outfitter. Correct? I did. I did. Would you recommend that for anybody? You know, if it's, um, if it's it depends. financially I, I able to, or it depends on what your goals are. Um, you know, there's a couple of things. It depends on what your goals are. So if you're the type of person that really wants to hunt like one particular species of animal, so like say you really got a good desire for elk hunting and you want to go back for multiple years in a row because we all know, okay, we hunt whitetails. How often do you kill a buck or a good buck? Maybe not every year, maybe a couple, every three years. And that's where you live. So if you're going to do it on your own, I would invest in multiple years going to the same area so you can learn it. Now, if you have, and you have some good camping skills, some you have some good navigation skills, um, you're able to read maps, you're able to break down an animal on your own, you're able to get it out, you're able to do all that success, all that stuff successfully, I think is a great option to go DIY. If you haven't, if you haven't ra- weren't raised in a hunting background, if you're new to it and you have the desire to see going on an adventure, it might be good to hire an outfitter because you're going to learn and, and be an active participant in that. So, you know, get in shape, shoot your weapon, get out there and ask a lot of questions. And, you know, people value when somebody asks them how to do something. So if you show interest and you're willing to help, they're willing to show you stuff. So you can learn a lot from doing maybe one or two guided hunts, and that's going to set you up for success to go out on your own if that's what you want to do. Okay. Then I've heard a lot of people say that. They're like, if you go out, you know, with an outfitter for a year, maybe two years, to, to learn, have them, you know, teach you some of their ways and learn it, and, and maybe you'll get that taste underneath you. And more of a controlled setting with having someone that's experienced there with you that it, it can help, you know, going down the road. Um, yeah, it's, you can kind of compare it to like, so if you're trying to get a, a job in finance, is it easier for you to get a job in finance if you went just to high school or is it easier for you to get a job in finance if you went to high school and college? Yeah. Probably if you went to high school and college. So you're paying for that education is the way I look at it. You're investing in your hunting future by having someone that's done it for a very, very long time and just shortens that learning span. Now you're going to still learn a ton on your own, but it just helps you get to the point where you can be successful more on a regular basis faster. Okay. No, that's, that's a, that's a really good way of looking at it with, uh, you know, high school and, and college because you can only read so much and talk so much until you actually do it. Exactly. And that, that's a hundred and you have to just, you have to do it. And whether that's DIY or if that's going with an outfitter, I don't think you can go wrong either way, but like you said, it depends on kind of your backgrounds and you got to be honest with yourself. I mean, in, in today's day and age, uh, with social media, I think kind of what you're referring to is a lot of people. It, it all makes it look easy. Like, yeah. you know, you know, just hike up to the top of the mountain, shoot a ram and you come back and, and it's not, it's not that way. It's yeah. a, it's a lot of hard work. It is super rewarding. Like it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've done other than, you know, getting married and having a son is doing those tougher hunts and being successful on them. Yeah. So, Okay. The, the thing that I heard you talk about in the past and what really intrigued me is when you started hunting, did you start hunting sheep first or goat? Um, for like mountain hunting? Yes. Um, it would have been, elk would have been the first, okay. elk and mule deer would have been the first animal um, as far as mountain hunting that I did. And I did that for quite a few years. Um, and then I ventured up to British Columbia on a spring black bear hunt 
uh, made some good connections there. Um, kind of went back to BC. I think I've been there six or seven times now and hunted a, different, a bunch of different species. But that's where, when I was in British Columbia, I can remember on my black bear hunt, I was driving from Calgary over to Revelstoke, British Columbia. So you got to go through Banff National Park. And there was these bighorns um, kind of on the road, like eating salt. And I'm like, man, that is such a cool animal. And then I saw a bunch of mountain goats up there. Um, and just being in that landscape just really piqued my interest. And then I got to know people that hunted sheep quite often and started to read about it. And it was just so intriguing to me, the places that they lived and what you had to do to get there. And I didn't know if I could do it myself. So I wanted to see if I had what it took to be able to do that style of hunting. I mean, you know, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh. I lived in Virginia. I live in an urban environment. Like, that's a lot different. It's an adventure. Yeah. And that's kind of kind of what I was looking for as I progressed. I mean, it, it wasn't, I mean, heck, I didn't even know a lot about that stuff 15 years ago. Like, you know, I've kind of been, I call it like working on my PhD in hunting. Like, I'm, I'm constantly learning, you know, about different species and different animals and different things you can do. And, um, you know, so that's kind of how it's, how it's progressed for me. So kind of started with the elk and the mule deer, then black bear, then moose, um, then goats, then sheep. Then I've done, gone back and done, you know, elk three or four times since then. Um, it's been a lot. I'm trying to remember them all. Um, you know, and now I'm starting to get into some interest in some international stuff. So it's just, it just kind of opens Pandora's box if you let it. Yeah. I, uh, I had talked to, uh, Dustin Rowe, who I believe is your outfitter for yeah, a Dustin's lot of Yeah, a those. good friend of mine. So, yeah. And and he was telling me some stories about it and everything. And it sounds like you guys had a had a great time over the years, you know, yeah. going on some of those hunts. So yeah, and that's one of the cool things is is once you start doing it, like you build really good relationships with people. Um, and say so you do go on a guided hunt, um, you know, after you get to know these people, they it's more a friendship. Um, and a lot of things that I like about hunting is the camaraderie. And it's, you know, for some people, it's great to go out there and do it for themselves, but I find a lot of value in having somebody else to share that experience with, um, because no matter how good the pictures are, no matter how good the stories are, it's not like being there. And so when you have somebody else, either a buddy that's going with you or a guide or an outfitter that you know really well, and you have that connection, it just makes that experience even better in my opinion. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it because there's there's some guys that like to do the the solo type style and, and some of the western yeah, good US. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And that's awesome. But then you got the camaraderie side and be able to talk about those stories afterwards and have someone to experience it with. It's always, you know, it it's different for me. I I know I really like being with someone to share that, you know, experience with. And like last year when I got to go elk hunting with my dad and my brother that we've grown up in Pennsylvania hunting together, but going to some place far off, you know, and, and, and packing into a wilderness area together. It was just, it was really cool. It was an awesome experience. And I think, you know, even brought us closer as a family. So that was, that was a cool Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I mean it's, it's someday we're all going to be old and in wheelchairs and like, you mm -hmm. can call your buddy up and say, Hey, do you remember that moose hunt we went on and laugh? And I mean, that just, that just brings some joy to your life where, you know, if maybe if you did it on your own, you wouldn't have that person to do it with. Yeah. So you said you're uh, looking to do an international hunt this year, huh? Um, yeah, I've been looking at Central Asia, going with a couple friends of mine um, this fall. So it'll definitely be way outside of my comfort zone. Um, but, you know, life is uh, 
two dots separated by a dash and you gotta gotta make most most of the dash i think yeah <laughs> i think we all wish there was a little bit more time in throughout the year and to, to to one spend time with family and and friends and everything but also to uh go on these different style adventures but because like i said for, for me i i think i've um you know a little bit behind where you're at and I'm not saying that in years to make you feel old. But you're not, though. I mean, you've, you've <laughs> but, spent more time, you know, elk hunting with a bow than I have. Yeah. You know, so everybody's got value. Mm -hmm. And you can, uh, there's something that I can learn from you about your elk hunting experience in Colorado. I've never done that. Yeah. You know, so if I was going to go elk hunting in Colorado, I'd call Bo up and say, hey, you know, tell me about what you did. I mean, yeah. just because, you know, I'm older than you and I've done more trips doesn't mean that, you know, there's not something that I can learn from you. I can tell you what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell you a whole lot of that, like a whole lot. <laughs> but no, that's. It's just I'd, I'd see a lot of myself and in, in your progression. Like I just every time you know I've, I haven't. I, I don't want to sound like any sort of expert with it. I've just done it a few times, and I'm just drawn to it. And I just want to keep doing more and more. But one thing you brought up earlier, I'd like to circle back around. You said if you're going to do that, get to learn. You know, an area, especially if you're doing. DIY, which is kind of the what I've been doing the last few years, is this will be my third year going into the same area. And leading up in this winter, I'm looking at all these different units and, and states to hunt. And I kind of went back to the, the same place in my head and was like, I've got to learn it. I've got to know. I'm starting to, to learn the elk behavior, how they use the train, how they react to pressure and the time of the year. And I, I think I'm going to, you know, why I am going to go back to the same area again this year and hopefully third, third time's the charm. So Yeah. And I, I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, think about that. It's, you're investing so much time in doing that and you're getting a fantastic education on animal behavior, you know, how to hike, how to camp, where to, where to camp at, where's your water at, um, how much food you need. So you're so close. Why? not see that through yeah. until the end. And then once you complete that cycle, you can take that knowledge and maybe go to a different area. Mm -hmm. And now your learning curve is so much less because yeah. you got the basics down. Now it's just trying to figure out, okay, now I kind of know how elk move. I know how they feed. I know, you know, if I'm hunting them during the rut, how they're kind of act and what to look for. And now you can look at that map and you can say, okay, that terrain looks familiar to me. And you can pinpoint your areas a little bit easier. Does it always work out? No. But you're just, it's law of averages. You're just reducing the amount of time that it takes you to be successful. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you can apply it to even, so whitetail hunting. I, I like to hunt whitetails in a lot of different areas. And and as you know, Matt, I mean, I hunt mostly in, and I can't even say mountainous, but hilly terrain, you know, in Pennsylvania and uh, big woods setting. But when I go to hunt swamps or, or farmland, you know, bucks or, or anything else, it's all different. But you can take you can take a little bit from what you learned there and, and behaviors. It may, it may not be exact, but you can apply that to it and, you know, test the waters and see. Yeah, there'll um, be these little trigger yeah. points, you know what I mean? Like, you, you might be in a different spot, but you saw it before, like, you know, a funnel. Yeah. Recognizing terrain. Okay. Well, when I was hunting the big woods... That funnel was concentrating the deer. Now I'm on a farm. There's a funnel over here. But you learn that from your experience that you did on a completely different place. And now you're applying it when you go to a new area. Yeah. But it worked for you. You had success in it. Exactly. You know, so you learn from your biggest is your failures. So you learn what doesn't work. 
And then finally, you hone in on what does work, and then you can take that knowledge and start over um, in a different spot if you want to. If not, if you want to keep going back because you've been successful, that's awesome. Yeah. No, and, and you're you're exactly right, and and uh, definitely had a, a good share of failures as we all have to to learn from, and you know, and again, in today's day and age, everyone just sees the you know the highlights, the highlights of everyone's life is what they see through social oh, yeah. media and everything, and like wow, you know, that person does really really well. Well, have you seen the you know the ten times you failed or missed? Or, well, I went on you know either five or six elk hunts. Um. Before I killed a bull. Yeah. Like over, like well over 30 days. Yeah. And well over 30 days. And, and not a lot of people see that, you know, they may, if, if they looked at a quick snap, you know, a, a snapshot of your life, you know, they see, oh, look, he's killed, you know, he's killed rams, he's killed, you know, goats and elk and everything. And then like, wow, you know, he's, he's been really accomplished, which you have been, but they don't see the, the whole story of it. Yeah. And, and I guess what I'm getting at is. It's going to take work. It's going to take time, but enjoy the ride because that's the that's Absolutely. the experience that you're looking for. You know, I, I don't regret anything about going to Colorado and and not killing an elk over the last couple of years. I don't regret one second of it because everything that I did, I've learned and I'm able to apply it. You know, to the the following year or the following day or whatever you know it may be. You just gotta take those experiences and and just keep rolling with it. Yeah, I, I would say like people ask me all the time, like you know, what's what's my biggest takeaway, and it's it's just enjoy the process. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't take my own advice, but it doesn't matter how big of an animal you kill. It doesn't matter, you know, if you were successful or not. If you took something from it and it made you a better person, or it you learned and it made you a better hunter, then it's worth it. Then it's worth it. Don't let people on social media or anybody make you feel any different about what you want to accomplish surround yourself with somebody that's as like-minded as you um and get out there and enjoy it awesome so to switch gears a little bit so i mean all these hunts no matter what take some sort of money you know some sort of monetary uh value to be able to to go on these hunts do you have any advice on the budgeting side of things and, and planning them. What uh, I, I've listened to you talk about it before and it's it's been very helpful personally for me to learn from that when I may say, oh, yeah, you know, that's out of my reach. Well, that's because, you know, maybe my priorities need to change or switch a little bit. So I'd like you to get into that a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, it, the sticker shock of some of them is, is, is pretty amazing. I mean, there's tons of stuff that I wouldn't even think about doing um, because it is so valued, but... You know, if it's something that you want to do, um, it might take four or five years or 10 years to save for it. But if it's really what you want to do, um, sit down, make a budget like you do. You pay for your mortgage or your rent or anything else. Figure out what your end game is. Um, a lot of times with outfitters, you can lock in a price three or four years down the, down the road by giving them a small deposit um, up front. And then you know, so... If you want to go on a sheep hunt and you don't have the amount of money in the world that just lets you write a check, you know, and you might need a new truck instead of buying a $65,000 F-250, maybe you get to use one for a couple of years and you buy a $25,000 truck. Yeah. And I did the math on that before, kind of with interest rates. You can save $9,000 a year just in truck payments um, for that. I'm sorry, it's about $6,000 just by that. Then if you made your lunch every day. 
um, you could save yourself some more money. And if you didn't buy coffee and you kind of just kept those disciplines, in three years, you can afford an $18,000 sheep hunt. Actually, shorter than three years. And then when you get you go on your sheep hunt, hopefully you're successful. Um, you sell your used truck. You go get your big loan. You go get your F-250. <laughs> you want a sheep hunt, and now you have a big truck. And you're just, you're, it's just delayed gratification, really, yeah. and refocusing your priorities. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's what's so funny. You look at eighteen thousand dollars, and it's like, I mean, I look at that, and a sticker shock, like you said. But when you really break it down, if depending, it, it and it really doesn't matter exactly. Say, you know what, what you're making a year, or anything. It may just take a little bit longer. You just like you said, you have to prioritize. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up was last year. Um, I went out and, and I bought a truck. I didn't buy a brand new truck. I bought one a couple years old and I get a text from Matt right away. And he goes, there goes your sheep hunt. And I was just, I if I didn't, need I think to I feel, said you're driving your sheep hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. You're driving your sheep hunt. And I was, if I didn't need to feel, you know, any worse about the decision to have to spend money as it is. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> I laugh pretty hard. No, it's hard. all good fun, man. Yeah, I know, but it was it was funny, and it. But I mean, you really got to look at things like that and and see. So, I I know for me, um, one thing recently I did was I I moved uh, I moved out of the house that I had been renting. That I travel so much for work and and everything else that I'd barely spend any time there. So I moved in with a buddy of mine to uh, to save some money, which a substantial amount of money, and that to plan for. You know, hunts and and to own my own house also, which is I got to make a priority yeah, too. Yeah, man, so. you, can balance, you can balance. But yeah, so it's just um, it's it's all your life choices really, and what you want. You have to be honest with yourself and and budget. I mean, it's just planning for a hunt's no different than, than yeah. I mean, planning you're, for life. Just saying, well, I'll never be able to afford it. You'll never go. You just need to change that mindset. Is it might take me five years, but if that's really what you want to do, take that five years and save that money. And I will guarantee you, you will never regret spending it. Yeah. You won't. You won't look back and say, you know, I wish I wouldn't have went on that hunt. Um, it'll probably make you want to do another one. You know, and it, it, it's just incremental gains where, you know, starting small, starting on a, a DOI or a smaller an antelope hunt or whatever. And it, it just builds you that confidence that you can save the money, that you can do it, you know, um, and everything builds, you know, kind of like life. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not born, you know, a successful businessman. It takes years to do that. Yeah. You develop so, over time. Exactly. So it's hunting's the same way. You develop the skills. You develop the ability to save the money for it. You develop the physical fitness to do it. You develop the marksmanship. You develop, you know, all those different things, the camping skills. Overall healthy lifestyle. Overall healthy lifestyle. I mean, exactly. And then, you know, over time, that investment is going to pay off. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome because it's, it's inspired me so much from doing it. So, okay. Going out and, and hunting in a, a different state and whether that's like you said, whether that's going to Colorado or maybe that's even going to the Adirondacks in New York on exactly. a whitetail hunt. Or going okay. to Ohio or yes. going wherever. So you know, no matter what, and even taking the, the, the cost value away from that, you will remember that for a lifetime more than you will, buying you know a new truck or the or or buying whatever toys it may be maybe you bought a you know a side by side or or something else things that you buy are that instant gratification that you feel awesome when you you have it but that kind of dwindles off 
or the memories of a hunt like that, like a hunt or um, an experience like that, they just continue to grow and grow fonder, you know, as, as time goes on in, in, in my short, you know, experience with it. But yeah, I mean, experience and adventure never depreciates. Yes. It never depreciates. It only grows. Sounds like a good investment to me. Yeah. <laughs> from looking at it from that side of things. So. Just write me a check, buddy. I'll, I'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. But, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so that's that. That's what I re- really wanted to uh, to cover from the, the budgeting side of things from you. So I, w- I want to go back to, you live in Virginia now. So w- when you're going... When you go for these trips and everything, is, is physical fitness important to you? Is is it, you know, the end-all, be-all? Or, or what are you thinking about coming from, you know, not living, you know, up in the mountains? Um, is, is important to me 100%. Um, is it the end-all, be-all? No, it's not. The way I look at it is I really want to enjoy these experiences as much as I can. And for me, if I'm physically fit, can I'm not beat up at the end of every day, I enjoy it more. And I can honestly say it's, been, it's made me more successful because I did a lot of these hunts, not a lot of them, but some of these hunts where I wasn't in the best physical condition. And a lot of them I wasn't successful on. Some of them I were. And a lot of times, like you talked about, like it's, it's a lot of hard work. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Um, and so the physical fitness aspect of it is just another investment into the experience for me. Do you have to do it? No. It's, it's all personal. Um, do I think it's important? Personally, yes, I do. For myself, 100%. Would I recommend that anybody else do the best job that they can get to, um, to get in the best shape that they can? Yeah, I would recommend that to them. But if that's not your thing, don't let that stop you from doing it. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice. I mean... In my mind, it's anything that you can do to improve your odds and that you can do it. Why not? <laughs> you know, that's, and uh, I, I've heard it before and I've seen it. There's a lot of guys that are not in great shape that can do these hunts and can do it completely fine. And they, whether that's mental toughness or whatever else it is, that, that's completely fine. I, I, I agree with you on that. But I mean, physical, in my opinion, physical fitness doesn't make you a good hunter. Like being good at hunting makes you a good hunter. Yes. Like you can be a really good duck hunter and not be able to do a sit up because you know, animal behavior, you know where to be, you know where to be at the right time. Um, you know how to shoot the physical fitness portion of it. In my opinion, just increases your odds of success when you're doing something that's has elevation involved or a lot of miles to it because you can cover more ground and, and the more country that you can look at, the more opportunity that you're giving yourself great that's that's great to hear so in in virginia where do you do you spend a lot of your time you know working out in a gym or do you like to be outside do you do you hike or what what i guess i split time between between both um you know i go to the gym three to four days a week um i guess if i'm not training for something i do a lot i say i go to the gym five days a week and then i get out and hike one day a week um, and as my training progresses, uh, from kind of, we'll call it off season to getting closer to a hunt. Um, I spend less time in the gym, probably three days a week, um, and more time, 
doing call it sport specific activities hiking okay. um, in the mountains so but you know what i look for is you know being a hunter i don't have to be fast but i have to be strong i have to have endurance and i have to have power so those are the things that i focus my training around okay and um so for real life specific uh training when you said you're getting outside you're hiking are you going to are you going to state parks or where are you going kind of yeah i'm fortunate to live where i live um i live about a half an hour from um, shenandoah national park so on my longer call it rucking days um you know under a weighted pack that's where i usually go on sunday morning real early and get five or six miles in and get some pretty decent elevation um there but if i can't get there i'll use a plyo box at home and do step ups or i'll hike around town and i'll you know when my son was younger i used to throw my pack on and push him in the stroller or, i mean i have i had people i had a uh a tire like a, a tractor trailer tire strapped to the waist of my pack which was my son's kid carrier and he was a year old and I'm on the local, like, rails to trail dragging this tire down. And, you know, I had some people that were giving me high fives. And then I had other people that I thought were going to call Child Protective Services on me because they didn't know what, what the heck was going on. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you got a busy life or busy family. There's always ways to, you know, kind of simulate what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and the one thing that's nice, too, with, and I know from seeing some of your photos and stuff in the past, like, when you go to Shenandoah, you can take, you know, your kids, you can take your wife. Yeah, my son has probably hiked more of that park than, you know, most people that live in northern Virginia. Yeah. Um, you know, and you get an, a, a kid carrier, and there's there's some great ways to strap a kid carrier onto a Kafaru now, because those kid carriers aren't really good after a certain weight. Like, you know, once you get up to about 40 pounds in those kid carriers... Like, stuff doesn't really feel good. Yeah. So there's, you know, they've come up with ways to, you know, use the Kafaru frame and strap the kid carrier to it, and it, it's awesome. So you, know, you can <laughs> put your kid good. in there and then, you know, get up to 60 or 70 pounds and, and go, you know, get a good training hike in. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. So and my son loved it. I mean, he used to, I mean, I used to take him all day. We'd take food and snacks, and, you know, partway through, he'd be sleeping on the back of it, and I didn't even know what was going on. I mean, he, um, when he was, man, I don't even think... He was just over a year old, and I have a black bear rug in my house and um, kind of like a, a three-quarter amount of a black bear, and I used to take my son down there, and we'd kind of play the name the animal game. You know, I used to tell my wife, look, you know, all this this taxidermy, it's it's educational. You know, yeah. that's why I'm doing it. You know, our son's going to get a good education. Hey, whatever you <laughs> in, need to say. In animal science, you know. <laughs> yeah, she, she quickly shoots that down. But, um, you know, I can remember we were um, getting close to Skyline Drive, and there's a lot of black bears down there. And I come around a corner, and he's sitting higher on the, um, obviously, in the pack than I am. And he said, you know, he wasn't even really talking that much. And he, I could see him, Daddy, black bear. You know, and there was a black bear 30 yards away from us, but, you know, at a year and a half old, he knew what it was. Yeah. So that's super cool, you know, me now being a father and transitioning into that aspect of my life. That is that is awesome. And uh, so, yeah, a little quick side note on Shenandoah National Park. M Matt decided that he was going to give me, you know, some tips, uh, some places to hike when I was going down there for a business trip. And I really appreciate those <laughs> tips. And uh, I, I went down and I, had, I only had a few hours to hike. And he told me to, to go on this, this one trail. And he's like, you'll gain a lot of elevation. What's Do you remember the specifics? Um, I think at Mary's Rock, I think you do, it's around either twelve or 1,400 feet in a pretty short distance. So it, it's yeah. a good hike. Um, you I know, believe it's, it's two miles up and two miles down. Yeah, it's not overly long. So it's kind of a quick hitter, um, which is kind of what you need. You know, it, it's one thing to kind of walk in a pack on flat ground. 
but the more elevation you can get in the shorter distance, in my opinion, is, is really, really beneficial to going to a mountainous environment. Yeah. So I, uh, so I went there, I showed up and right before that, Matt texted me, he goes, yeah, there's some, you know, thunderstorms, you know, potential in the area. I'm like, oh, it's summertime, you know, it's humid. There'll probably be thunderstorms popping up. Well, I park and it was nice and nice out. And I started hiking up the trail, get closer and closer to the top and kept hearing some thunder and uh but still wasn't seeing much because the storms apparently were on the other side of the hill and some other hikers i ran into on on the appalachian trail there were like oh yeah you should be fine if you're just going to mary's rock got up a little bit further and just got hit with one of the worst storms that that i've experienced in uh the eastern u.s hail coming sideways i mean lightning wind anything you could think of and uh hold up under a rock for a little while <laughs> because it, I, I didn't want any trees to come down on top of me. There, there was really nothing I could do at that point. And uh, it cleared up and, and I got up and walked out, saw the nice view at that point that probably a couple of rainbows. Yeah. A couple yeah, a couple of rainbows that, that, you know, Matt said it was so beautiful up there. So I finally saw that aspect and uh, started hiking back down. And then all of a sudden I kicked out a black bear out of the mountain laurel about He's only about 15 feet from me, but it's so thick you can barely see in there. You just saw a black blur, just uh, a black blur, just go through and and just it was nuts. And uh, yeah, the the black bear population in the park it's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And like people t say, ask me like, why well, never see bears in there? I'm like, there's three or four trails that I could put you on that if you go in the evening in May or June, I will guarantee you you're going to see a bear. Yeah. Yeah, and this was this was just a little bit before dark by the time I was coming down, so they were, they were moving. Yeah, quite you a were bit. there at the perfect time. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, all right, you know, he went down over the hill. I'm like, oh wait, this trail just switched backs, <laughs> you know. So then all of a sudden I'm below him. I can hear him up there and, yeah. and, and kept going. But then then I got hit with another storm on the way through, and I just ended up running the rest of the way down. And the funny thing was, again, I, I can't really blame Matt because he told me a story about with with him and having his son on his back when a storm yeah, like that I did the came same through thing. on the same trail. Yep. So that that was what was was kind of funny about it, but apparently apparently I, I need to listen a little closer. But <laughs> anyways it was hey, a we great, all gotta find out some stuff for on our own, right? Yeah. It was a it was a great experience. Um I have a phone that's you know doesn't work anymore and everything else. But again, it was an awesome experience and I can't uh can't wait to go back. Hopefully next time you and I can link up. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And do a hike there. So whenever I go out, I think I'm going out in a couple of weeks there. But again, traveling on the weekends is tough to, to connect. But even going back to like, you know, what you were talking about, like when I moved to Virginia, I had no idea about Shenandoah's National Park or, you know, even how to train to get physically. There was no like train to hunt back when I was starting to doing this. And there was no, the CrossFit didn't even exist or any of that stuff. So, you know, I value the fact that hunting for me has shown me so many other things that I probably might not even known existed mm -hmm. that I found to, you know, get myself in shape or make myself, you know, have more experience in the wilderness is, is, you know, these public lands or Shenandoah national park. Like I might never even looked into that, you know, if it wasn't for me starting to travel, um, to go out West to hunt. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, like you said, I, 
I never knew I was, you know, interested in hiking or just, you know, regular camping or doing anything like that. And now I do it to more to, you know, test my gear and everything, but I like it. I enjoy it. And it's something you can do with the family. And also, you know, with, I don't have any kids myself, but, you know, with your son and and everything to get outside and, you know, away from the TV, away from the, you know, the, the video games and everything and be able to experience, you know, the stuff that, that everyone else did as kids back before that was out there. Yeah, I just bought a um, uh, a new tent. I bought a Hilleberg Nyack, and I do, I've used the Hilleberg Solo a lot, and that's like a true like one man kind of de- tent, um, four season. And the Nyack is kind of like a three plus season tent, but they call it a one and a half. And I got that because, you know, I'm gonna take that. And Hilleberg's are expensive, no doubt about it. Um, but when you know, there's a few things that I'm pretty passionate about where you should invest your money on as far as gear, um, and your shelter is one of them. But my thought process was, you know, I really like the Solo. It's a one-man tent, but I can get the Nyack. That's a quote-unquote one-and-a-half-man or two-person tent because, you know, the 10 days a year that I'm using in the West, that's great. But as my son gets older, he's getting ready to turn five, showing some mistress in camping. I can use that probably until he's eight or nine years old, and he, he and I can do some backpacking and fit in that one tent. So, you know, I'm not spending just the $700. That's a lot of money on a tent Yeah. for the one time of year use. Now I'm going to be able to extend that, you know, use it for hunting and use it for some uh, family camping trips. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Multi-use stuff, you know, for anything. Oh, I'm all about it. Yeah. Heck yeah. I, I agree with you there. And I think, I think I heard you say in the past that when you, when you buy, like say, say if you're buying, gear to hunt as far as apparel wise you usually buy solids so you can wear it and i do i do buy yeah. a lot of solids um you know uh, and most of my travels i do rifle hunt because um, i'm just trying to put the odds in my favor as much as possible yeah. um you know i'm there to shoot an animal i mean that's i'm not there for an expensive camping trip i'm not that good of a bow hunter and i like guns yeah so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that that's for sure <laughs> um, so with that being said, I don't have to get as close as like an archery hunter would. So I tend to buy solid color pants and camo on top because if you're going to shoot a rifle, you're going to shoot prone or you're kind of crouching behind most of the time that your upper body is what's exposed and your legs aren't. So now because of solid colored pants, I can wear them out in the field when I go to work. I can wear them to hike. I can wear them around town and I just get more use out of them. Multi-use. That's the best for your money, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, I like that. I like that side of things. So, well, anyways, Matt, uh, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and talking. Is there anything else that you'd like to any to cover? Um, no, I think we got most of it, but I appreciate you having me on, Bo. I mean, it's yeah. nice. You know, hopefully, um, you know, this will inspire somebody. I mean, I've had a lot of great people. You know, I wouldn't be anything um, really in life without the support or help of my family and friends. Um, and so I, I'm really appreciative of that. And I try to want to be able to give back, give that back to somebody else. So hopefully maybe this will help somebody, you know, get off the fence about going out West and have a, have a wonderful experience. Yeah. And that's, that's the name of the game. That's why I wanted to, you know, start this podcast and roll with it is my experience from doing that and all the people that, you know, I can thank from to help me to experience that and just go out and finally do it. Um, I hope to, that other people can learn from people like you and, and others to be able to do that themselves because it's it's an experience like no other. And like you said, maybe it may not be for you. 
and but you'll never know if you don't try. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, is there any is there any place where where people can find you any any other information, any other podcast maybe you've done in the past? Um, I've done a few podcasts with um, Journal of Mountain Hunting and Adam Yonke. Um, got a social media page and Instagram, just Matt Comment. Um, if anybody has any questions or wants any help or anything, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to give you any advice or experiences that I've, I've had because um, you know there's. There's a lot of things that I've done wrong um, and a lot of money that I probably spent twice that I shouldn't have. And I'd like to see somebody maybe spend it once and go on another hunt instead of spending it twice. Awesome. Well, again, thank you very much, Matt. Now we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.